0: Welcome to the One Reality Podcast, your source for controversial Christian content. But not just controversial, your source for biblical content. Straight out of the scriptures, this is the place to be. In today's episode, we're going to be continuing on on the five biggest points of deception within the church. Uh, Last episode, we covered point number one, which is... No, uh, no one is born a sinner or born with a sinful nature. So, if you want to go back and listen to that, you can do so. Um, otherwise, we're going to be continuing on to four other points out of those five. Uh, the one we'll be covering today is that, uh, number two is that you can't stop sinning. And this is something the church believes, um, somewhat because of point number one, because they think they're born in sin and have a sinful nature. But we're going to be getting a lot more deeper into point number two here, um, into the lie that you can't stop sinning, because you can stop sinning. And we're going to be going through what the scriptures say on that. Uh, The three other points, which we'll be covering in future episodes, is point number three is that Jesus covers your sins, um, past, present, future, completely covered by the blood. Uh, He gives you his righteousness, and he takes your wickedness. Uh, Penal substitution, substitution theory, etc. I believe the scriptures make it clear that Jesus doesn't cover our sins. He washes away our sins. It is Jesus washes, not a covering. Covering is like a hiding place. It's it's not solving the issue. It's just hiding it. I believe Jesus solves the sin issue. He destroys the works of a devil and sets us free from sin. Uh, number four is that um, all, all this can be given to you, this complete covering of past, present, and all the future sins you will commit if you'll just simply receive his gift. If you'll just accept him, believe on his name, etc. You just have to kind of receive him, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead um, type of deal where it's just a mental accepting. And once you've done that, you're saved, And then point number five, which goes along with that, is then you are once saved, always saved, you are, you are, um, not going anywhere in your salvation, if you commit sin, you fall into grievous sin, even sins extreme as murder or rape, it doesn't matter, you are once saved, always saved, even when you, if you die, and you hate God, and you're angry with him, you will still go to heaven, you just won't be in the, as some people say, the happiest part of heaven, um... It depends on who you're talking to about when saved, always saved. Some people believe that, oh, if you hate God, well, maybe you're never saved to begin with. Um, But obviously, if they made that decision to believe and receive him, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they did. And I think people who do come to the faith and then leave the faith, I believe they truly were into it at the time. Um, But those are the five points. We're going to be covering number two today, Um, the lie that we can't stop sinning. Um, And to those who don't know, we do have a YouTube channel called One Reality where we post videos pretty frequently. We've got a few short films on there. Um, we also have a website called theylie.org, which you can check out. And we also have a Facebook page called One Reality Ministries and also an Instagram page for One Reality. So you can check those out. Follow us there. Pretty cool. But let's get into the content. All right. Is it possible to stop sinning? And before we even get to answering that question, we need to answer the question, what is sin? Because a lot of people will be like, oh, judging is a sin. And oh, if you raise your voice, you are sinning. And if you're not, I've even heard people say, if you are not praying at every single second of every single day, you are sinning. Or if you are not loving every single person, like, around the world, all 7 billion people, and um, not giving away all your money, and all this other stuff that you, 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 you're sinning every single second, um, which is preposterous, First um, John 3, verse 4 tells us what sin is, and it says, uh, whosoever committeth sin, transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law, so sin is breaking God's law, basically put. And what was God's law? Well, he sums it up to love God and to love your neighbor. And that's how he sums it up. So we must love God we must love your neighbor. And that obviously includes quite a few things. Not lying, not stealing, not committing adultery. Um, Those are all things related to loving um, our neighbor. I believe loving God, uh, having no idols before him, making him first in our life. Um, I think those are things that relate to God, that there's nothing above him in our lives. Um, But, I mean, the scriptures get very clear. You mean, for list of sins, they'll keep you out of the kingdom of heaven, Um, which I guess that leans more on once saved, always saved. Uh, discussion but list of sins of breaking god's law you can simply read first corinthians 6 9 through 10 galatians 5 19 through 21 revelation 21 8 it goes through the list of sins that'll keep you out of the kingdom of heaven those sins are transgressing god's law and i think it is safe to say those are all sins that will keep you out of heaven because it literally says and they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven or it says they'll be cast into the lake of fire um and i think Matthew twenty five. Pretty clearly explains what loving our neighbor is. Um, You could also say, uh, I believe it's uh, Luke 10 also uh, talks further in loving our neighbor and what that looks like. But that's what sin is. People say judging is a sin and that thou shalt not judge. The Bible never says anywhere thou shalt not judge. The only place where it says not to judge is in, well, maybe not the only place. But the main place people go to is Matthew chapter 7 uh, verses 1 through 5, and it starts off saying, Don't judge, lest ye be judged. And it continues on, but most people just stop there. They read that, and they're like, Oh, yay, no judging. But they don't read on to see what Jesus is meaning by that. Because he says, With what judgment you pronounce on people, it'll be pronounced back to you. And his point, if you read on from Matthew 7, 1 through 5, is to not judge with hypocrisy, which is what the Pharisees were doing. They were judging people, but they were hypocrites themselves, and we're doing the exact same things. So, Jesus' point was, and he even goes on to say, he's like, you've got a plank in your eye and you're trying to pull the speck out of your brother's eye. And then he says, first, pull the plank out of your own eye. Then you can cease clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. So, first, stop your sin. Pull that beam out of your own eye before you start pointing at someone else and saying that they um, shouldn't be doing that and that they need to clean up their act. So, Fix yourself first before you go and try and tell people what they're doing is wrong, or you're playing the hypocrite. Romans two uh, goes through a lot more of this, where it's talking about how people are judging other people while they're doing the same things. Judging itself is not a sin. The Bible actually commands us to judge. In John seven twenty four, it says to judge with righteous judgment. But anyway, don't want to get off on a whole judging video. But video. I keep saying video. A judging podcast uh, episode. But, um, anyway, there's a lot of things people say are sins. Sin is transgression of the law. We got to look at what the Bible calls sin and what the Bible doesn't call sin. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, the whole law is sin. Well, then are you eating bacon and are you wearing two different kinds of uh, cloth and et cetera, et cetera. And that's where it's important to understand which laws apply. There are the ceremonial laws, there were the priesthood laws, there were the moral laws. The moral laws have always, God's laws, the moral laws have always existed since the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve ate off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were given the knowledge of right and wrong. They had complete knowledge of right and wrong. They didn't necessarily need a book to tell them it was built into them and it's built into every single human being because they ate that fruit. This is why we naturally know that lying is wrong, that stealing is wrong, that harming other people is wrong because it's built into us to love our neighbor and to love God. The the evidence for God is clearly before all men. That's what Romans 1 says. So, everyone knows right from wrong, and we can see it in God's laws. Um, loving God, loving our neighbor, not lying, not stealing. These are all things relate to our conscience, um, and that's how we know right from wrong. Those are the laws that still apply. Um, ceremonial laws and the governmental laws, the priesthood laws, they do not apply. We are not in the literal Israel. We don't need priesthood laws because we have a high priest named Jesus. And, um, so that is very good to clarify before we answer the question, can we stop sinning? So we know what sinning is. So now it's the question, <clears throat> excuse me, can we stop sinning? Is it possible to actually stop sinning? And my answer is yes, because obviously if I'm saying that you can't stop sinning as a deception from the church, Obviously, I believe we can stop saying. I believe the scriptures make it very clear that we can. I'd say one of the best verses that support this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which I'm going to read for you here. This is what it says. It says there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So there are two important aspects here um, in first Corinthians 10 verse 13, which is, um, First of all, you will never be suffered to be tempted above that ye are able. That's key phrase number one. I'm going to read that one more time. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? God will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are capable of handling. So this really knocks out the whole sinful nature, original sin argument. If you still believe in sinful nature, original sin after you listen to our last podcast, this verse knocks out that excuse. You are never tempted so far that you can't resist it. So when you say, my flesh, it's too powerful of a temptation, or my sinful nature, it's too powerful of a temptation. Bible says you'll never be tempted above what you're capable of handling. It's never too strong of something you can't resist, which means every single sin, Lust, stealing, lying, all those that you are tempted to do, it, you're not incapable of resisting. You can resist it. And then the next phrase that's important here, right after he says, he will never tempt you above that ye are able, this is what he says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So with that temptation... Which you're capable of handling. it's not too strong. He is provided God. God has provided a way to escape so that you can bear it so you that you can escape. Okay? So every single temptation, there is a way of escape. You have a free choice. you have a choice to sin or a choice not to sin. that is presented before you. So you can choose to commit sin or you can choose not to. There's always a way to escape, and it's never too much for you to handle, which means if there is a way of escape, you can choose that. You don't have to sin. When you're presented with lust, which I think is probably a pretty big thing in America, when you're presented with lust, you have the choice to continue in sin, or not to continue in sin. And let me make this clarification here, especially on lust, because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I'm just walking down the road, and I look over, I see a woman, and boom, I've sinned because I looked at her. First of all, there's nothing wrong with looking at a woman. I can look at any woman, and that doesn't have to be sin. Now, if my mind starts running, and I start thinking, well, let's try to keep this pgg if i start thinking inappropriate things okay i have that i mean sometimes in our minds it just automatically happens okay especially with males sometimes it's just kind of automatically happens and it starts running through your brain all right sometimes you may maybe you're even driving down the road and you see some kind of poster or or some billboard, and it's got some immodestly dressed woman on it, okay? And you look at it. I mean, the first look, you can't help that. If you walk around the corner and you see something, you can't necessarily help that. That's that's the temptation. That's not sin yet. Those The first thoughts that enter into your head to sin is temptation. The fact that Adam and Eve... Um, listened, or at least heard what the serpent said was not sin. That was temptation. Now, what they did after they received that temptation determined whether they were sinning or not. Eve heard what the snake said. E- the snake said, don't obey God, just eat the fruit. He doesn't want you to be like, he doesn't want you to be a God. If you eat this, you'll be a God like him, or be like God, which technically only God knew right from wrong." And even in Genesis, he says, now they are like one of us. But the first thoughts, the first temptation, temptation itself is not sin, but temptation leads to sin. So if you choose to dwell on those inappropriate things, or you start thinking about wanting to do things um and you continue to dwell on that. That is sin. That is accepting the temptation and dwelling upon it, or accepting the action and going to do it, like eating the eating the fruit. She she was presented with the temptation. She chose to give in and she ate the fruit. Therefore, sinning. It wasn't the thought of sinning that got her to well. It was the thought of sin that got her to sin, but the thought itself was just a temptation. So that's important to understand that there is temptation and then there is, uh, then temptation can lead to sin, but temptation itself is not sin. And um, for more on that, you can read James one fourteen through 16, where it definitely shows the differences, where it says, each man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and enticed, though when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, that's something else to remember. Sin brings death. Not It may be physical death, but when we, we're talking about the Bible here and it's referring to death, it's talking about spiritual death. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. It is hellfire. And I actually want to just go to James uh, with this whole temptation thing because there's a very important uh, part here with James chapter 1. Um which it says in James 1.14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away above his own lust and enticed. The key here is he's drawn away by his own lust. It's his desires that are making him sin. And here's the thing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. So temptation itself happens when we're drawn away by our own desires. But the thing is, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. So if you've crucified the flesh, if you've put to death your old members, your sinful members, I think Romans 6 talks about this, putting to death the old members, you won't have, there won't be temptation. Because if you are following Christ's desires and you're not following your own desires, you can't sin. You cannot fall. If your only goal in life is to please God, you can't sin. Because all you're going to do is please God. If that's your only mission, nothing else is going to matter. Oh, I'm not going to lie, because I'm going to please God, and that's what I will do. I put to death the old man, and I am the new man, a new heart with new desires, and I'm going to follow God. People think they can have this new heart and new desires, and they'll say, oh, I had this change, and I have a new heart with new desires, and I now love God, yet they're still holding on to sin, which shows they don't love God. Jesus said in John 14, 24, But if a man loveth me not, he, he keepeth not my sayings. In John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love Jesus, if you love God, you will keep what he says. And if you don't love him, you won't do what he says. You're on one side or the other. There is no middle. There is no, well, I love God, yet I'm still breaking his laws. It's like, yeah, I love my wife, but I'm still cheating on her. No, it doesn't go that way. You are either on one side or the other. It is a black and white thing. The Bible's very black and white. I mean, 1 John 3, 7 through 8, which I'm sure we're going to get into in the next uh, um, number three point of the deceptions in the church. Um, where 1 John 3, 7 through 8 says, He who does what is right is righteous. And then it says, He who sins is of the devil. So if you're doing what is right, if you're obeying God, you're righteous. If you're committing sin, you're of the devil. It's black and white. You're either of Christ or you're of the devil. But getting back a little more on topic here, if you are of Christ, you've crucified the flesh, you're taking God's way of escape, and you are obeying Him. And as we looked at 1 Corinthians 10-13, there's no temptation too strong that you can't resist, and you have that ability that God has given you the way of escape. All you have to do is take it. And I can understand if this is hard to comprehend, hard to think on, and sounds crazy. And I can understand because that's the way I felt when I first heard it. But the logic and the reason, like the reasonability in the arguments that the, that the Bible is making here, there's just no way around it. If we're never tempted too far that we can't bear it, then there is no sin too strong that we can't stop. If we are never tempted above what we are able, there is no sin we cannot stop. And that's what it comes down to: whether you love God or you love sin. And you have. And what did Jesus say in Matthew six twenty four? No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one or love the other or be loyal to uh, the one and despise the other. Uh, rough quote there. But still, no one can serve two masters. Who is your master? Who are you following? Who are you slave to? It's either righteousness or wickedness. You can't mix uh, the Holy Spirit and sin together. And I think we might continue this one. Uh, point number two here into the next episode, because this one's getting kind of long, and go into a bit of the people in the Bible who were living sinless lives. Um, Because there are actual verses that state people were living sinless lives, believe it or not. And that's something I want to get into in the next episode, um, which we'll take a look at. But thank you for joining us for this podcast edition. Uh, be sure to follow us on our other links, YouTube, theylied.org. also on Facebook and Instagram, so be sure to follow us there. Um, and also, if you don't have the Anchor app, which is where this is being recorded, uh, why don't you get that? It's a lot easier to follow us on Anchor. Otherwise, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast stuff. yippee All right. We'll see you guys in the next podcast. And we'll see you then. Bye-bye.